Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily, and something rare has happened. I don't know if I've ever had this happen before on the show, where a guest asks to come on the show because he enjoyed a game so much last night. But that is the case with Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager. So, Eric, you asked to come on the show today to break down Vikings-Cowboys. Where do you want to start? I did. I think it was just a fun, compelling game. If you're a Vikings fan, you love uh coming out of there with a win. If you are a fan of football, you love watching Dak Prescott play. Uh, and if you think you can coach in the NFL, Jason Garrett gave you a, a little bit of evidence that, that you can. <laughs> so it was, it had something for everybody. And uh, ultimately, and you know, to you, it broke your, you know, the narrative that you hate so much that uh, one Kirk Cousins cannot win in prime time. I do hate that narrative because I looked back at all of his games last year in prime time, and it was just Kirk against good teams. There were some really good performances. There were some really bad performances. There were a lot in the middle. I thought Eric that last night was a middle of the road type of performance with an A plus job from Kevin Stefanski and a F job from Jason Garrett. And then Kirk Cousins walks out there and gets the win. And hey, look, he can win in prime time now. It's like, wait a minute. This has never been a thing. It never should have been a thing. He played for Washington. They often play like Green Bay in primetime yep. in Aaron Rodgers' prime. And guess what? Kirk Cousins would get outgunned, especially with no defense in Washington. I mean, I am the person that says, yeah, win-loss records are a thing. That's a starting point for how you analyze these guys because that's the job, and, and they control it more than anyone else. But just a primetime record alone, I don't think tells you that the guy can't play at night or something like that, or he can't play well on national TV. I don't think that's ever been the issue. I think that he usually didn't have good defenses, and he definitely um, played against a lot of great quarterbacks and didn't always have great play calling like this. I I thought last night Kevin Stefanski was, aside from maybe Dalvin Cook, the MVP of the game for the Vikings because he just came out with the perfect game plan for getting the ball in the hands of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and once, you know, and we know that, you know, success in the run game, and the Vikings weren't terribly successful in the run game with Cook. I mean, he averaged less than four yards a carry, I believe. They were great with Madison, interestingly, but 
we know that success in the run game is at best weakly correlated with how well you do in, in play action, but the Vikings leveraged play action immensely last night. Kirk Cousins, 35% of his dropbacks used to play fake. He had 118 passer rating on those plays. Uh, it was, it was awesome. I mean, last week the Vikings, you know, got away from some of the stuff that they, they like to do. And, you know, and, and here's another point as well. You know, we, we often attribute a poor game plan to the offense simply not being efficient on early downs. And, you know, Kirk missed, I think Kirk was five, you know, 50% on throws between zero and nine yards, uh, the other day. And so that's not going to ever win you some games. Um, but today, you know, last night Kirk was extremely good and, um, you know, but not, he didn't do what, he didn't do nearly as much as Dak Prescott. He just did what Stefanski and Kubiak wanted him to do and he did it well. Right, and when you're picking up 20- and 30-yard gains on screen passes, I mean, that's just well done. That's well designed. On the first drive, which means it was scripted, they had a perfect sort of misdirection screen that got the Cowboys going one way and all the offensive linemen in front of Delvin Cook the other way with just plenty of room to run and that's entirely on just how you draw that up and how you scheme it and for the most part Eric I think Kevin Stefanski has done everything that Mike Zimmer could have dreamed of him doing when he hired Stefanski to be the offensive coordinator and a lot of it points now to me thinking that Stefanski will be the head coach somewhere else that there were probably uh, big time executives around the league watching that game and saying Man, this is what we need. We need someone who can out scheme Dallas's defense this well. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Dallas defense is a little bit overrated. I think they're still living off of that Thursday night game where they shut down New Orleans, but we saw yesterday that Atlanta shut down New Orleans. So maybe that's this sort of noise. But if you would have told us, I think before the game that, okay, Adam Thielen's not going to play. Um, Brian O'Neill is going to have his worst game of the season, probably because he was hurt. Josh Klein's going to come out of the game, and Dakota Dozier's going to have to play. And Stephon Diggs is only going to get five targets and catch three of them. You would have there, the chances that they would have scored twenty-one po- or twenty-eight points and beaten the Cowboys are pretty slim, right? I mean, the Vikings in the passing game are very much about the two stud receivers. But what you got yesterday, Dalvin Cook caught all seven of his targets, eighty-six yards, one hundred and nine yards after contact, which means. Those passes are getting caught behind the line of scrimmage. And Dalvin Cook, because of blocking or his own really, uh, you know, awesome nature after the catch, is, is making plays there. Irv Smith caught five targets for 34 yards. Some of those plays on early downs helped him be efficient, helped him stay ahead of the chains. And then, of course, Kyle Rudolph doing some of the things that uh, he's always done, which is catch the ball in the red zone. Uh, and, and, you know, he's not going to wow you with any sort of athleticism or, or moves. But, you know, Steph, Kevin Stefanski really using – uh, you know, everything the Vikings have to offer because Dallas in the secondary is okay. And, you know, for the most part, only really had to take away digs last night. And, you know, BC Johnson and, and Treadwell caught all three of the targets that were thrown their way. But, you know, it's very much about giving the balls to backs and receivers. And that's, and that's a, a huge credit to the offensive coordinator who I, I agree with you. I think if, if, you know, if the job isn't open in Minnesota, it probably will, you know, Stefanski will probably leave town and get a head coaching job, it, it, you know, if the season continues the way that it's gone. Talking with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, breaking down the Vikings' win last night here on Purple Daily. 
Um, okay, so the uh, speaking with the, to the scheme for how the Vikings beat the Cowboys, I was impressed how much they used multiple tight ends, the fullback, to get Sean Lee in the game. Sean Lee looks like he can't mm-hmm. play anymore. And how many teams in the NFL have three linebackers who can actually play? Very, very few. And, and so yeah. you add that with Delvin Cook's pure talent. You mentioned his amount of yards after contact. He just breaks tackles, and, and especially washed-up linebackers cannot bring him down as we've seen all year long these strategies have worked for the vikings pretty much since day one of getting irv smith even tyler conklin out there cj ham taking a ton of snaps why does this still work i mean this seems like something that teams would have done in 1991 yeah and you know to to the point about the dallas defense not being as good as people advertise sean lee was yesterday they were four for four for 29 yards and two touchdowns throwing to sean lee but they were also, you know, 13 of 14 throwing at all the Cowboys linebackers. And, you know, late Van Der Esch himself gave up 54 yards after the catch. Jalen Smith gave up 31. Um, so it was, it was very smart of them to see, you know, reputation being, you know, Jalen Smith and late Van Der Esch were top six linebackers last year in terms of PFF war. Like they were great and they have not played that way this year. And then you put Sean Lee, who's not good enough to start over both of those guys on the field. And you sort of saw results. So yeah, absolutely. It was, you, you guys talked about on the podcast last night that it's sort of like when Chad Greenway was near the end of his career with Minnesota, a guy who had a good career, but you know, hit, unfortunately it has lost his fastball. I think that was really smart of Minnesota to do. Um, and, and you know, and they reaped the benefits of it again in a night where they could not get much going down the field. All right. So now let's, um, since we've said everyone did good at football and stuff first, now let's, Work our way over to the pass defense, which now qualifies, in my mind, Eric, is a bad pass defense. Waking up this morning, they rank 20th, the Vikings do, in expected points added, 18th in opposing quarterback rating against Mike Hughes, who I thought might have a better chance than Trey Waynes, uh, did not. He was yeah. absolutely torched, but Xavier Rhodes was too, and this seems to be a weekly thing, whether it's Waynes or it's Hughes or it's uh Xavier Rhodes Judd asked me last night on the podcast is there a solution that I can think of and you know generally I I like to have ideas and bring them to the table and say maybe they'll do this this or this but if Mike Zimmer can't figure it out then I'm not sure that I can Eric what should the Vikings do about this really poor pass defense (laughs) I don't know if there's much to do other than you know, last night people are on Twitter kind of like trying to peacock about, you know, all the people that wanted Hughes to start over Rhodes. And I thought that missed the point. I mean, Rhodes was bad last night too. He was five for five for 63 yards throwing into his coverage. Like that's not great. Mackenzie Alexander, four for six for 80 throwing into his coverage, including a touchdown. Alexander did get his hands on two passes, but it was overshadowed by the fact that Dak went after Mike Hughes 17 times that last night and completed 11 of them for 154 and a touchdown. That's so, crazy. That's nuts. That, I don't know if I've that, ever seen someone targeted 17 times. Is that like a PFF yeah, record? No, I think one time the Giants, when they had Beckham, targeted Jalen Mills like 24 times. <laughs> in, in a in a win by the Eagles, by the way. So the, they had two things in common. Both of those guys were sieves and still uh, ended up on the winning end of it. Um, you know, it's tough because, like, you know, Holton Hill last night looked pretty good in the coverages he had. I think you probably have to mix and match based upon matchups at this point. Like, you know, 
in a perfect world, you have a shutdown corner in Rhodes who can guard the other team's best receiver independent of size and strengths and weaknesses of that player. And then you, you sort of patchwork around the Trey Waynes of the world, the Terrence Newmans of the world back in the day. But I think now every single one of these Vikings defensive backs has to be basically matchup driven in how they play, which means if you're Xavier Rhodes, you're not getting 70 snaps tonight, right? You're, you may be getting 45 or 50, or you may be not playing against a team where you don't match up well against the opposing team's best receivers. Um, that, that to me has to be the approach and maybe Holton Hill gets some, uh, more of an opportunity. I know he played, you know, a handful of snaps and, and was targeted twice and broke up a pass. So that, that was good for him. Maybe Jaron Curse gets an opportunity in the slot. Uh, and then they, and then they go ahead and, um, you know, uh, make Mackenzie Alexander play on the outside. Maybe they just kind of have those, uh, you know, uh, changes, you know, in, in approach. But the other thing that we have to be careful of is Dallas's offense is great. Yeah. And oftentimes defense is sort of a combination of the offenses you face. And so, I mean, Amari Cooper was making catches that would have made Chris Carter blush last right. night. Yeah. And, and so, like, who's going to – like, it, it's not so much Hughes was bad in coverage. I think it was a, a product of they were playing great, uh, playing a great team with a quarterback on fire, and they were not getting interior pass rush, which I know we're going to talk about in a second. But uh, it's a couple things. They're, they're, they're – Entire pass defense as a whole is bad, and then it makes the cornerbacks look bad. And I think that they probably just have to adjust by, by matching these guys up better uh, against opposing teams' offenses instead of just setting them and forgetting them. Well, let's talk about that interior rush, because when Sheldon Richardson left, and I understand they had no cap room left to sign him, but Mike Zimmer made some comments about, well, we'll stop the run better this year. Like, well, congratulations, you stopped the run pretty well last night and allowed over 400 yards of total offense by kind of a lot, and Dak Prescott was able to step up every time there was outside pressure it seemed that the entire strategy of tyron smith was to just run everson griffin by the quarterback and that worked all night long and prescott was able to step up he was able to extend plays and i don't know that that happens if tom johnson or sheldon richardson is in his face and and that seems to be what quarterbacks have been able to do against the vikings even though they're having all world seasons from daniel hunter and everson griffin I mean, how much is that going to impact them? And then, you know, part two to that question is, can they really win if their pass defense is going to continue to be this poor? If they don't get interior pressure, which I don't know who it's coming from. They have, you know, Fadi Adenabo has done pretty well when he's been in. I think he should probably get a few more snaps. But aside from that, I mean, if they're 20th and expected points added and they're not getting interior pressure and they don't have the corners playing really well, I mean, can they really win, or how good does the offense have to be for them to go anywhere in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it leaves their offense with not that much of a margin for error. We saw last night, like, they played a very good game, and it still was almost not enough. I mean, they needed basically bad play calling by Dallas to win at the end. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I mean, we've talked about this a number of times. Quarterback play under pressure is not very stable. And it, the reason is is that pressure has contextual variables that make not every pressured snap created equally, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about this off air, but like if you get pressure, as you said, Tyron Smith uh, gets, you know, beaten off the snap by Everson Griffin and he makes Dak Prescott step up. Well, that's a pressure. But then if there's no interior lineman that's gotten any push on that play, Dak's probably still going to have some success throwing the football. Um, whereas, you know, if you play another team that has, you know, maybe, you know, the Patriots, for example, their edge players are not, you know, impressive at all. 
but they sort of contain the quarterback, and then eventually they get enough interior push to make that pressure worthwhile, and and that's why you're seeing such great pass defense out of them. And that was what we saw last night. I mean, Dak had Dak was pressured on 21 of 47 dropbacks. That's a pretty good percentage for Minnesota's defense. But as plays, he had a 104 pass rating. He threw three touchdown passes on nine yards per attempt when pressure. So, like, and and again, that's part of the coverage versus pass rush question. Is like, is it coverage on the back end? Is it just great receivers making plays on you? To me, I think part of it is that the Vikings thought, you know, the Vikings still subscribe to this idea that you have to be tough against the run. And I think it's coming at the expense of their pass rush right now. And, you know, they were great against the run last night. They gave up less than three yards of carry, but it didn't matter. Dak was still great over 100, you know, 115 on uh, pass rating on play action. Uh, and, you know, and he was great on third down. So, you know, I, I think it was just sort of a misstep and a miscalculation on the Vikings part, not thinking into your path, you know, choosing Shamar Steffen over somebody who can maybe get a little bit of a pass rush inside. Yeah, and I think if they were to play a Fadi Adenabo in there more often and treat him like the Tom Johnson, that they might have um, some success because he's proven that he can beat guards and when he's outside could beat tackles as well and get after the quarterback. That might be something we should see more often. And Tom Johnson played 60% of the snaps in 2017. They were still good enough against the run, but really, really good against the pass that year. I think that's probably a better strategy, but they really love Shamar Stefan. So uh, I don't think it's going to really change, but maybe Adenabo will get more chances. All right, now let's look at the big picture here, Eric. It was a really good day for the Vikings yesterday. I know that the Packers won, but that actually helps the Vikings in some way, which is bumping down the Carolina Panthers um, to five and four. So now Los Angeles, Carolina, Philadelphia, Dallas, they're all five and four. And the Vikings sitting at seven and three, looking pretty darn good for the playoffs. But not only that, they also now have as many wins as New Orleans, as many wins as Seattle. We'll see what happens tonight. And one win from the Packers with a chance to beat Green Bay at U.S. Bank Stadium. Should we shift the conversation after this win against Dallas from well, we'll see if they make the playoffs. They're still in the race to, okay, what's the playoff picture going to look like and what's the route for them to actually go to, to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, we have them, and we have to rerun after the whole weekend, but we have them, you know, basically if they win, their playoff percentages are about 80%. Um, and, and, that's, and that's a very comforting place to be. Now, they sit basically a game and a half, two games behind Green Bay because of the tiebreaker and, and uh, their their issue here in terms of um, being a game behind. But it's still a, a solid place for the Vikings to be. As you said, they probably, they, in all intents and purposes, if they win out, they win the, the NFC North. So that's a good thing. But the, probably the most likely scenario is that they play Dallas again in Dallas in the first round. And, mm. and, and you know, if you're a Vikings fan, you're like, well, that's a pretty that's a pretty nice outcome for them. Given yeah. You know, what we, what we just saw and, you know, they basically, you know, Dak's tremendous, but you probably got his best game last night and you see how limited the Dallas Cowboys are with, you know, their, you know, inability to scheme and inability to make solid decisions on fourth down. Credit to Zimmer, by the way, for going for that fourth down and the two point conversion to basically win them that game last night. Um, so I would say the most likely outcome is they go to Dallas or go to Philadelphia, but, you know, if you're a Vikings fan right now, you can be pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs. And you can have a little bit of, um, you know, optimism that they'll win that division because, you know, Green Bay has been good, uh, and they do have an easier schedule than the Vikings going down the stretch by virtue of the fact that they finished in fourth place last year in the, or third place last year in the NFC North. Um, but they're not exactly a great team. They let Kyle Allen hang around yesterday. 
Um, you know, they, they got whopped by the Chargers somehow, right. yeah. you know, two weeks ago. So they're not a perfect team. So they could obviously slip up. And I think Minnesota, you know, if they were to, you know, continue this streak, um, you know, could very well take over the, the NFC North now that it's basically a two-team race. Putting records aside, what teams are decidedly better than the Vikings? <laughs> well, it's hard to say. You know, when you talk about um, when you talk about the the um, the NFC lot yesterday, you got a, a bunch of WTF games by some teams, right? <laughs> right like New yes. Orleans, fourteen point favorites at home. Not only don't cover the spread against Atlanta, but lose by two touchdowns. Um, so I would have said New Orleans. Uh, you know, um, as what were the best team in the NFC, uh, until yesterday. And now, you know, tonight's game with a good Monday night football game for a change. You have San Francisco and Seattle. I think Seattle's very much like Green Bay, where their record is probably a lot better than their actual fundamentals. If, if you think the Vikings defense is bad, Seattle's defense is worse. Um, but their quarterback's better, right? So, and that's always going to give you a chance. Uh, I think San Francisco, you really have to wonder, you know, they have the fourth toughest schedule moving forward. So, we're really going to see how good that team is, uh, you know, uh, down the stretch. So, you know, I, I don't think there's t- there's a team like a, a standard deviation above Minnesota in the NFC. And in the AFC, I, you know, if you think about even further down the line, um, you know, we saw how vulnerable New England was. You know, I think Minnesota's firmly in the conversation as a top five team in the NFL. They were sixth in our power rankings going into the week and probably only went up after last night. So, uh, you know, they're, they're probably fourth in the NFC right now, and but not that far away from first. One amazing thing about the NFL, and it will just never change, is how much one game can make a difference in swinging an entire season. And I think that game was that for the Vikings. If they lose, they're six and four. They've got Denver and then a bye week, and then they're just in the mix of a bunch of different teams fighting for a wild card. Now they're in the driver's seat to go forward and be in the playoffs and have a chance in the way that they are capable of playing with Kevin Stefanski at the helm and uh, Dalvin Cook and their, and their weapons. And when they get Thielen back, I mean, it makes them look like a very, very legitimate contender um, in the NFC. So it's it's fascinating because if they had lost that, we would have said this team is a complete fraud. <laughs> right? Well, and, and not only that, but they're one of their best players offensively probably doesn't need to play next week for them to win. Oh, for Denver sure. Yeah. And Brandon Allen. So you go into the bye week and then you get Thielen back after the bye. Um, for games that are, you know, probably more difficult. So, you know, as we looked at at the season at first glance, right, this stretch of games looked really hard for Minnesota. And, and you know, as disappointing as losing to Kansas City in Kansas City when Matt Moore was playing was, winning in Dallas was not something we expected. In fact, winning in Detroit was something that, you know, we had basically the Vikings at a pick them in that game, and they won that game handled. So they've, you know, the, the Chicago game and the Green Bay game, sucked. I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, they were not encouraging, but they were also underdogs in those games as well, right? So any way you sort of slice it, the Vikings have met or exceeded expectations through the season's first 10 games, uh, and if they can continue to even meet expectations down the stretch, they should be in pretty good position uh, in the NFC playoffs, and uh, it's really a testament to you, you know, all the things you said with us, Stefanski, you know, really turning that offense around, and you know, as much as Zimmer, as much as Zimmer can, you know, be kind of a curmudgeon in, in press conferences, he started to make some good decisions. Uh, you know, fourth down against Washington, even though they didn't make it, and then yesterday, uh, you know, I, I don't think people would have faulted him for kicking a field goal down one. Um, but it was certainly the right move to go for the touchdown, and it ended up being the difference. Yep, and I think the Vikings have 
for quite some time had an advantage in that area, and we don't talk about it a ton, but then you see what Jason Garrett did and go, oh, that's right, you're probably winning more games than you should because your coach understands when he should be going for it, and I think Zimmer mostly gets those right. Um, Eric, since you asked to come on, you have to thank me for my time. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matthew. Of course. <laughs> it was, it's, how much fun is it to chat, chat about football? Like, this is, you know... There, there are some aspects to when that, you know, as you've talked about with Jed numerous times, when the season's not going well, there's of course like fun things to chat about too. But when the games are fun and compelling, this is, this is, there's no, there's no more fun than this, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I always say, look, I like talking football no matter what, but when you come off a game like that, that was so good and so compelling and so many things come out of it. And now we can talk about this team through the lens of an NFC championship or Super Bowl the rest of the way. That is exciting because week after week or big game after big game coming out of it and going, well, Kirk didn't show up again. I mean, it yeah. just becomes kind of a drag after a while. And uh, I think today, even though there are things that can be criticized, especially the defense and the secondary, to come out thinking, okay, now we know exactly where we should set the bar for this team, um, that is definitely exciting. So thanks for coming on. Uh, the PFF forecast, I listen to it all the time with Eric and George Shahuri. It's great. You guys were up until 1 o'clock in the morning recording it last night. And so make sure you go listen to that. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. 